Welcome to the 10th Region Weekly, Episode 7. Along with me is Evan Dennison. We have our guest tonight, 17-2, and two, newly crowned 2A state champion, Mason County Royal Head Coach Brian Kirk. And Coach Kirk, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, guys, I appreciate you having me. Um, you, you know, you guys always do a great job of promoting our student-athletes, and, and I'm just excited to be with you tonight. What we uh... – I, I miss you, man. It's uh, I'm used to seeing you two, three times a week, and having you know not alone our our interviews, but our, our conversations too. So uh, I'm just glad to see you guys doing well. Um, you know, a 17 and two start is awesome, and uh, you know when we when we knew coming in, you had a talented roster. Um, and it just really looks like you know you guys are meshing well, having a lot of fun. So. 19 games in now. Just just tell me about how much fun you guys are having and, and enjoying, you know, the, the process of the season. Uh, to be honest with you, it's been real exciting. Um, like I said, it's taken a little bit of time just for us to kind of figure everything out. Um, it, this is year five now in Mason County, and um, we, we've had a great base um, and, and platform to just continue to build off of um, over the past four years. And, you know, coming in, we, we wanted to, um, you know, revamp the, the program and get it back to, you know, competing at the highest level. Um, not that, you know, it was ever down, down by any means, but, um, and, and I knew that it was going to take time, um, you know, of changing the culture and the mindset of kids. And um, sometimes you can have that instant success. And, and a lot of times that instant success doesn't last long. Um, so it's kind of taken us, you know, several years to kind of get back to, to where we want to be. And um, it, this is only the start of it. Um, uh, of winning the 2A um, this past weekend. Um, but just leading up kind of to the 2A, you, you know, um, our guys just continue to battle day in, day out. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of times in practice where we really challenge our guys um, just to go at it, um, to, to go at each other, um, just um, get 1% better um, each and every day. And whatever the results are, you, you know, we – as long as we play as hard as we can, um, do the little things, you, you know, we, we can live with the results. Uh, but, but overall, up to this point, you, you know, 17, 17 and two, um, there, there's a lot of games that uh, maybe we shouldn't have won. Um, and, and then there's um, some games that, you know, within sports, there's always those, those close games that, you know, if you're in it for long enough, you're going to win some of them and you're going to lose some of them. Um, I, I think any coach is – um, been coaching in any sport can can speak for that, and you know, I just really like our team. I like where we're at. Um, you, you know, we challenge our guys, and we're going to continue challenging them moving forward. We'll jump right into the two A. You know, I, I talked. We talked with Coach Brooks from Harrison County last week, and you know how they were, uh, I guess, move sectionals or whatnot, and how that worked. But you know, this is your second straight year. You guys went to that state tournament for it in Owensboro last year. You guys made it to the semifinals and, and came up short against Lexcath. This year, you get revenge and, and win the two A state. So, just walk me through that experience. Um, your thoughts on the two A, and um, you know what what you think it needs to maybe improve on, or you know what it might not need to improve on. I mean, I, I think it's exciting um, coming from a player and a coach that, that you know, obviously played at Augusta and getting the opportunity to participate in the all-A there. Um, as a player, always just – it was something to look forward to. Um, it was kind of like that mid-season. As I think, once you get into that January, early February stretch, it's a grind. Um, at 30 games, um, as a head coach, I feel like 30 games may be a little much. 
Um, I, I think there's times throughout the season where it's just kind of another game, another game, another game. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of coaches that talk about, you know, seeding um, district tournaments and this game doesn't mean anything or that game doesn't mean anything. And this is an opportunity for you to participate in a tournament that it does mean something. Um, you, you know, it's a, a win or go home mindset. And, and I think it's great preparation for, you know, leading into to postseason within district tournament that, you know, how you prepare for those games um, in January, whether it's a section or the LA, a lot of times is the same way that you're going to approach a game um, come February into the district tournament or regional tournament or, or whatever that may be. Um, but, you know, overall, um, Owensboro is a great town. Um, it, it's a great city. We've had the opportunity, like you said, to, we were um, won our section last year. Um, they kind of redistrict and realign the sections. Um, so we were put over with Fleming, um, Round, Greenup, um, and Estill. Um, you know, that's out of our control. We, we, we had no input within that. Uh, but, you know, we, we go on to win the Section 6 2A. Um, and, you know, exciting there. To That was a box that we definitely want to check off um, as we entered into the season. Uh, we, we wanted to get back to Owensboro. We was able to do that. And like you said, um, you know, we, we got beaten in the semifinals by Lexington Catholic by one point last year. Um, that, that really hit hard um, of taking our guys down there and, you know, competing and battling. And, uh, but overall, a great experience. And, you know, to, to get to go back and um, experience that again uh, of winning the 2A Section 6, uh, making it back to Owensboro and, you know, playing McGoffin County there. Um, we, we tipped off, I think, at like 1130 at night. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I've ever started a game in um, one day and finish the, the next day. Uh, but that was, you know, challenging within itself um, that, you know, it was a long, long bus ride down and we did get a leave um, on Thursday to allow us uh, some extra time with travel and whatnot. Uh, but just the whole preparation throughout Friday of knowing that the game wasn't supposed to start till 930 and just trying to, to mentally prepare um, you, you know, we were very grateful that um, Coach Starnes at Apollo allowed us to get in uh, and, and get a practice there. We were able to get in Kentucky Wesleyan um, and, and get in a practice as well, too. And um, like I said, there on Friday of playing McGolfin, um, they had a kid that, you know, was probably one of the toughest kids that, that we've faced um, all season long as far as trying to guard and, and, you know, keep out of the paint, create his own very strong he gave us the work. Uh, I mean, it, it was – we were fortunate to, to be able to come out with a 10-point win against McGoffin. And, um, you, you know, you get the kids back at, at 1.30, um, 2 o'clock in the morning, trying to get them something to eat, um, get them in their hotel rooms. And, you know, kids at that point in time, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, that you know, they've got a lot of other things. And, you know, their mindset is on as well too. But um, just trying to, to refocus quick and, and knowing that you're going to turn around and play the next day. Um, within just a few hours, and uh, man, an unexpected alarm went off about 6.30 a.m. the next morning with, with a fire alarm in the hotel. Um, <laughs> it, you know, we had plans of letting our guys sleep in, um, getting up, watching the U.K. game, and, and taking that in. And, and, you know, all that changed within a, a matter of minutes when the alarm goes off at, at 6.30. And, you know, you got to worry about getting all the kids out, make sure everybody is safe and, and whatnot. But, 
you know, our, our kids handled that extremely well. Um, it, you know, we were able to, to prepare for Macquarie Central um, there on the second day. And um, I think we just really came out, had a great start. Um, we, we really applied a, applied a lot of pressure, forced them into a couple quick turnovers, some tough shots, and, and built a comfortable lead there um, at halftime and just, just continued there um, into the second half. And then, you, you know what you was facing – um, there on the final day on Sunday with, within a big task within Lexington Catholic. Um, you, you know, it was really exciting of just knowing to, to get that opportunity, uh, you know, knocking or them knocking us out um, that the previous year in the semifinals by one. And, um, you, you know, just the two blue bloods going at it um, in the championship game of the 2A. And that's really exciting and um, big to, to promote within the 2A that you've got Lexington Catholic and Mason County in the finals. And, you know, our, our kids really – um, body in um, to the game plan. Um, you, you know, they were focused um, within another quick turnaround of not having a lot of time to rest. But, you know, if you're going to win in postseason, there's days where you got to play back-to-back and, and quick turnarounds. And um, I, I think this is only going to help us um, to continue to improve, improve down the road. Uh, but we we knew what the, the task was in front of us. And you know, our kids came out, executed game plan, and, and we were able to come away with, you know, the victory there in Owensboro. When that leads into, you know, basically when you're in these tournament styles, you know, you played four games in four days at, at LexCast and that in the holiday tournament there. The two way here, you play three games in three days. And, you know, I remember when we talked before the season, you, you said one of your favorite things, or if not the favorite te- thing about this team was just the depth that you had. And it seems like it's really showing out. I think, you know, when one of those two way sectional games, you had some guys bring a lot of energy off the bench and you had a big spurt. And then, um, you know, and again, it shows in, in tournament play when you can get, you know, some some buy-in from those guys off the bench that really contribute as well. So just speak to the depth on the team and, and, and how proud you, you are of maybe how that's kind of progressed so far this season. I think that's been um, a big part of our success is our depth. Um, I don't feel like we win our section um, against Fleming County um, without our bench coming in and providing a big spark for us. Um, you know, we wasn't playing well. Um, Connor Butler, um, Cole Horch, um, Landon Silly, or Landon hadn't made it back yet, but um, Grant Owens come in, um, Carter McClanahan, and, and they provided, um, you, you know, several minutes for us there and actually built us um, the lead from the time that they went in. Um, and, and I just feel like those guys that, you know, are on the bench and just every day in practice, um, you know, they, they compete, they battle. Um, they go at those upperclassmen as I challenge all of my guys every single day that, you know, no matter if you're a freshman, a sophomore, junior, or senior, you know, you, you're playing for, for minutes. You're playing for spots. You're, you're playing um, to, to get better. Um, and I think that's a big part of our success up to this point that you know, our younger guys, they come in every single day and they really challenge those other older guys and just going at each other one-on-one, two-on-two, whatever it is. Um, just has obviously um, been a huge part of our success. And Carter McClanahan coming off the bench, he's played very solid um, over the last um, several weeks, has just been coming in, taking care of the basketball, knocking down open shots. And we're we're very fortunate to get Landon Silly back from an injury. Um, He he was able to go through um, some warm-up there in Owensboro, and and we're, we're looking forward to getting him back into the rotation hopefully this week. Um, from his foot injury, but you know, Cohort has provided a lot of minutes for us. Grant Grant Owens is is one kid that just never gets uh, much 
um, hype or, or highlight by any means, but probably the most valuable kid that we have in our program and, and over the course of four years of just his um, energy and passion and excitement for, you know, to see his teammates have success. Um, I, I think any team that has success, they've always got to have that one guy that no matter who it is or, or what day it is, he's going to come in with a smile on his face and, and just continue to push and and be excited when, when somebody has a big game. Um, like I said, it's a, a lot of our success is from our guys, at, you know, um, from our bench and our depth. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll transition to Terrell Henry. And, I, you know, I, I, I struggle to think of a more clutch athlete that I've covered over time. And I'm thinking multiple sports, too, the world he was able to do on the football field in terms of, you know, big games and making big plays. And, you know, on the basketball court, his his numbers and, and what he's able to do speaks for itself. You, you've been doing this for a while now. Can, can you think of a guy – when, when the moment gets big, does, does anyone get bigger than, than Terrell Henry over the time that you've been coaching just in your experience? I mean, I, I've, had, I've been very fortunate and blessed to, to have a lot of um, great athletes um, throughout my coaching career. And, you know, Terrell has to obviously be one, one of those top um, for, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, in Augusta, I was very fortunate and blessed to, to have a lot of great athletes and, you know, Bergen was was obviously there. There was several athletes there, and you know the the results um, don't don't show for that. But um, I, I've just been very blessed and fortunate to to have a lot of great athletes and opportunity to coach um, multiple of uh, you know um, players throughout my time. But you know, number two, there there's there there's many days where I'm just glad number two's on my team and I'm not having to prepare a scouting report um, to go against number two. Um, you, you know, he makes us coaches look good um, on a daily basis. And when, when your best kid comes in and he's your hardest worker in practice, it, it just sets the tone for, for everybody else that, you know, nobody can hide because um, number two is going to come at you. And, um, you know, we, we got down late there against Lexington Catholic. I think there was 39 seconds left on the clock. Uh, we, we have a turnover. Um, Lexington Catholic takes the lead. And, you know, we, we run a little quick action to get to rail in space and, you know, Terrell just does real things and he goes through and, and attacks a, a seven foot one and a six seven guy, um, gets an AM one, steps to the free throw line, uh, knocks down the free throw and, and finishes the game for us. It's nice to see him picking up some some college recognition and you know, a couple of your other guys getting some offers too. And you know, I, I think this 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 is pretty uh, relevant for you because you played college basketball, you know, you went to Union. Um, down there in Eastern Kentucky, and they're having a good year this year. By the way, they're top twenty-five nationally. Um, but uh, you know what? What's that process been like? Maybe compared to you know when you were playing in the early two thousands, and now you fast forward to, to today's age, and and how maybe I don't know if it's just so much harder for a kid to get into college, or you know, explain to me that process for you as a head coach and maybe giving some guidance to these kids and, and what you're hearing or seeing from, from some of these college coaches too. I think the game has just changed so much over, you know, the past 15 to 20 years um, from, from COVID to the transfer portal. Um, I, I think those are two things that is really affecting high school athletes at this point in time. Um, obviously, you, you know, if you're, you're one of the, the greats or the elites and, you know, you're going to get that recognition and get that opportunity. But a lot of these schools that, you know, you think of your NAIA schools um, with, with Georgetown, Pikeville, Campbellsville, 
Um, you know, those, those schools were at one point in time recruiting high school kids straight out of, out of high school. Not many times do you see that, um, you, you know, in today's time. I, I think those schools are waiting on these kids from, you know, Division One or higher up of, you know, just trying to find them a fit, a, a place to, to be able to go and play. And um, so they're waiting on a lot of those things. And, and you know, I, I think a lot of these kids today are, are been affected by COVID because the, the rosters, the, the depths, um, uh, that, that there's no spots available. Um, you, you know, I, I've talked with, with Rail multiple times and have talked to several coaches and, and there's several out there and programs that, you know, really want him but they have no spots available um, due to, you know, kids taking advantage of, you know, whether if it's rich shirt years or, or COVID years or whatever it is. Um, so I think, it, you know, it's going to be a couple more years before we see um, that full turnover um, from, from everything that's been going on. But um, like I said, the game has just changed in so many ways over the past um, 10, 15, 20 years. And um, Terrell's a kid that, you know, he, he can – fit in multiple of programs and be a huge success um, for, for a lot of programs and, and a lot of teams. And uh, it, it's really going to be exciting um, how everything works out over the next several weeks. Um, I, I think more and more people are starting to take notice and, you know, I'm having the opportunity to go up and compete in Lexington Catholic and put, um, you know, our kids um, on a platform to, to where people are seeing them and people are talking about them. And, and I preach to them all the time that, you know, coaches want winning teams. They, they want kids that, that are winners. Um, you, you see people putting up these individual career stats and, and you know, um, scoring um, records and different things. But the college coaches have scores. That, you know, they're, they're trying to mold in to, to how their style is and um, knowing that at that level, um, there's not going to be many kids that, that can transfer and score, you know, 40 a night. Um, they, they want these kids that know how to play team basketball. Um, they, they know how to, to win. Um, they're, they're good teammates um, of seeing them continue to build um, through, through a program. Um, it is something that I think a lot of coaches look at. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we, we've got several kids that can play at the next level. Um, Terrell's not the only one. Um, Riley Masson has received, um, I've received several messages, emails um, regarding Riley. Um, Philip um, got an offer there while we were in Lexington um, as well, too. So so we've got multiple kids that can play at that next level. And Rail is obviously going to have his pick between football and basketball. And um, I think he's just trying to wait things out. But um, I, I think things are only going to um, start to improve over these next couple of weeks. Yes. Coach, uh, um, I was glad to hear you say that about the uh, COVID situation because I'm running into the, some of the same problems on the girls side about you know I've even had some coaches tell me they weren't going to recruit high school kids because of so many of their players returning for that extra year and I don't think parents players uh fans community other people realize how hard it is now to not only play a collegiate sport but just receive an offer so um hats off to your kids that are getting offers because that's not easy to do nowadays and um with the COVID year like you said, it'll be another two or three years probably before we get back to where we were before, you know, 2020. I agree. And, uh, a couple more for you. Just uh, balancing 
balancing your schedule, you know, with, with being an athletic director of the, of the school and during basketball season, I mean, you know, we were chatting earlier, you know, what, what, what's your day like when that happens? And um, just adding to that kind of a, a two-part question, how, uh, you know, how, how difficult is it maybe being the head coach of one program, seeing maybe funds dispersed and whatnot and, how do you guys kind of how do you balance that out with with your program um, on on your financial side? I guess um, the the first part of that question is you know <laughs> how how's my day like busy um, <laughs> you know um, teach five classes a day uh, within health and physical education um, and, and then the um, later part of the day um, is kind of set aside for athletic duties and responsibilities um, that need to be fulfilled within that um, but. Now, as an athletic director, you know, it's, I'm very fortunate and blessed to, to get to work with a magnitude of, of several student athletes and programs and coaches across the board that, you know, it, it's just something that I've always looked forward to. Um, it, you know, it's challenging from day to day. Um, and as you mentioned, being a head coach and, you know, I'm kind of having not necessarily control, but input on, you know, other programs and, and how to, um, promote those student athletes and coaches. You know, I couldn't do what I do with, without, you know, our coaches that we have here at Mason County. Um, when, when you have good coaches, um, great student athletes, um, it, it makes a lot of those jobs easier throughout the day. Um, when, when you've got coaches that can take care of the things that they need to and only be here for assistance. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a, an AD that likes to kind of hover over and have complete control uh, of uh, programs, you know, that's why we hire the coaches that we do. We, we hire coaches that can run their own program. And that, that's what head coaches are supposed to do. Um, and, and I'm just very fortunate and blessed to, to have, um, you know, great coaches in all of our programs across the board. And, you know, they, they take care of their program and, and run it like they, they need to. Chris Lofton, uh, big, big weekend for him. And, you know, obviously a big weekend for you guys. I understand he, uh, he sent a video of, of of some hype or encouragement over the weekend. Just tell me about that and, uh, you know, what his retirement meant, meant to the program there for, for you guys and how much involvement he's had. I mean, growing up, um, I had the opportunity of playing Chris with Chris um, on the AAU team. I was the only kid um, that did not attend Mason County. Um, and I was kind of the outsider and um, of going to Augusta. Um, and kind of balance that back and forth. But, you know, just growing up within, with, with Chris and, and having the opportunity to play with him um, through our, throughout our AAU days and having the opportunity to win st two state championships um, there in the AAU and, and getting the opportunity to travel, you know, across um, the, the, the states to, to play the game of basketball was just exciting. And I'll tell you one thing about C-Lopes. Chris is the same guy that he was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, he has stayed humbled. Um, he, he's always reached out. Coach, what what can I do? Um, anytime he's in town, um, he stops by practice. Um, hey, hey, what – is there anything that, that you need from me? And, and um, we, we reached out to him and um, asked him to, to send us a little video just to play before our game against Lexington Catholic. And I think it really hit home to a lot of kids. Um, but just being with our, our team during that time um, of his retirement ceremony there um, at, at Tennessee with his jersey retirement and, and getting to experience that with our kids was, was something special. Um, that, you know, there, there's kids 
um, great athletes that have grown up uh, not only within this area, but um, across the country that, you know, w- would be given anything to have their jersey hanging from the rafters of Tennessee. Um, there, there's nobody more deserving than, than Chris Lofton um, for, for um, that, for sure. Um, just I, I'm extremely excited for him, his family, his parents, Frank and Kathleen. They have always treated me like like their own um, through, throughout growing up and still yet today um, with, with them, Frank, Kathleen. Kathleen, his mom, she, she subs a lot here at Mason County High School, and, and Frank has um, always been Frank. And that Chris is um, just like his parents. The, the moment's never been too big for him. He has stayed humbled. Um, he has always been connected with our community, our school, um, the kids, at any opportunity that he has to come back and, you know, have an impact and – put on clinics and, you know, different types of camps here uh, for our local kids and, you know, other local areas um, around, you know, it's just um, exciting times for for our school, our community, and most importantly for um, Chris Lofton and his family. There's an old cliche, you know, it talks about, you know, so-and-so being a great player, but an even better person, but it's not cliche when you talk about Chris, you know, I just remember, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she was really young, I bought her a Chris Lofton, Tennessee jersey, and we took it to the dirt bowl because I knew he would be there. And he took time to talk to her, picture, sign her jersey. We still got it. And, you know, so many times in sports we say things or make comments, but the one thing you can always say about Chris is, you know, he's a great basketball player, but he's an even better person. And, and in my book, he'll always be Hall of Fame for that reason. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think he stayed dead um, there there when they were also interviewing him um, there the night of that, you know, his parents always taught him that to be a great individual first and, and a, you know, basketball player second. And I think he still holds that true to heart today. Um, but, you know, even during my time at Union College, that was the same time that Chris was playing at Tennessee. And Chris, I'm sure not many people knew, but Chris, he, he wasn't he, he wasn't too far and had been away from home. Um, you, you know, he was always – I wanted to drive back into Maysville. And there, there were several nights that um, Barberville was about two and a half hours from Knoxville. So it was about half the way to, to Maysville. And um, Chris would be playing at Alabama, um, you know, Arkansas, South Carolina, and be playing at home. Um, and he would call me on the bus r- or the plane ride um, back to, to Knoxville or whatever and be like, hey, Kirk, you still up? I'd be like, yeah, Steve, what's going on? And, you know, he'd be like, hey, man, do you mind if I drive into Barberville tonight? Um, just, just need to talk to you for a minute. And, you, you know, I still look back at that time that um, CeeLo just – he wanted to see somebody that he knew. Um, he, he would come, stay the night. He would be up in the gym at 6 o'clock the next morning and be back to Knoxville by, by 10 a.m. Um, but it's just, um, you know, special to, to see the success that that kid has had um, and how he still is so humbled um, within everything that he does. Um, like I said, I'm just very excited for, for him and his family. That's really cool. That's a neat story. It is. Uh, speaking of buckets, PK, Kirk was a bucket. He had, what, 2,000-plus uh, at Augusta? Listen, I, I grew up watching him play. I, I Listen, I – Who was older between you two? I'm a lot older than him. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Evan, I started to say, all I can remember is Patrick Kelch stating, we want the Nets. I was going to tell that story. Hey, Brian Kirk and his bunch of freshmen won the region at Augusta, beat Mason County down at Campbell County. And they weren't going to let the Augusta kids cut down the nets at Campbell County. And I started the charge. I started chanting, we want the nets. We want the nets. 
and it got and it caught on. And next thing you know, they had a ladder bringing it out, and those kids were cutting down the nets. Heck yeah, man! <laughs> but yeah, so Kurt, I mean, much, it's, Kurt, growing up watching PK play, how much were you putting on his head then? Because we know PK didn't play defense. <laughs> a lot younger than me, Evan. I, I don't think any of the Kelchers have played defense throughout their time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell too many people this, but Don Irvin came up with a, a, a genius defensive strategy when I played. Four people played man-to-man, and I was in permanent help. I wasn't allowed to leave the paint. <laughs> Whoever the worst offensive player was on the other team, that was my assignment. You were the one foot the paint guy. <laughs> and I told him it was because he didn't want me to get in foul trouble. That's what it was. He didn't want me to get in foul trouble. When you shoot as good as PK did, I mean, you, you can do those type of things and get by with it. Yeah, he didn't have that Larry Bird jersey for nothing. That's right. The Indiana State one at that. Yeah. Well, Coach, I know it's a Sunday night, and I know it's late, and I appreciate you coming on with us. And once again, congratulations to you and your team on the 2A state championship. That's a big deal. And best of luck, and maybe, who knows, you'll be cutting another one down here in a few months at Rupp Arena. Guys, we we sure hope so. But, um, you know, we we greatly appreciate what you guys do, uh, promoting our our programs, our student-athletes. Um, across the board, both um, throughout the 10th region. Um, a, a lot of our kids would, would go unnoticed without what you guys do. And um, just speaking as a head coach, we, I greatly appreciate what you do. Thank you, Coach. Best of luck, yeah. brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, Evan, that's some wise words there from Coach Kirk. Um, love the story he told about Chris Lofton, which I knew those two were the same age because when uh, Brian was playing freshman at Augusta, I know when they won the freshman uh, – region that year i don't know if chris played in the freshman region because he was starting uh varsity but i know like dustin gruta jerry Litzinger, and those guys were so uh and that was a a big deal for augusta back then and you know but brian played with a, a really good team at augusta 20 plus wins multiple years so um uh always a pleasure having coach kirk on and um with that let's switch over to the all a um the 10th region was very busy Last week, with not only the 2A taking place, but also the uh, Class A tournament uh, over at Paris High School. And um, I think Coach Ransom probably showed his Greyhounds our uh, Stay Hot podcast from the last couple of weeks because uh, we predicted Paris or Bracken County to be in the finals against Brossard, and Paris took out both teams from Bracken County. Yeah, an, an impressive display from them. And, um, you know, a huge step for Coach Ransom in their program, you know, being able to to do what they did. It looked like some some very healthy crowds out there down at Paris and um looked like a great environment for all for all those games. And um, you know, what a what a great tournament it was. You know, a lot of games that that came down to the final closing minutes, um, late in the fourth. And, you know, props to Brissett Brossert for for winning three games and and getting all a title back to Alexandria. Well, and I think if you remember when we talked to Coach Franson a few weeks ago, he kind of talked about, you know, this will be his first experience with the All-A. And um, and I'm sure uh, as he coaches on down the road, he'll want to ex- have the same experience as he did in his first All-A. And, you know, they uh, they probably played their best game of the tournament against Paris. I watched the game against Nicholas County. Nicholas County had multiple chances to, to beat them, take, you know, win that game. and uh, possibly advance and face Calvary Christian, but um, they uh, saved their best for last. And Paris kind of, you know, I don't want to say 
you know, they were tired or whatnot, but, you know, they played really well against Augusta. They played really well against Bracken, but it seems like um, they didn't have their legs as much in the final game. A lot of their three-point shots were, you know, falling short. They were um, just not going in like they did the first two games, but um, Coach Ransom returns a lot of his core with uh, Malachi Ashford and uh, Jakari Ransom. So I'm not going to say that's their last trip to the finals. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a team with a lot of promise and upside. And I think their their better days are ahead of them. And um, they've got an important stretch down the final month with with three big district games, which I think they're going to have to go at least two and one in to avoid the four seed and playing GRC in the first round. So and then back to Brosser, like you said, that that championship performance for them, I think it really showed that they had five seniors in, in that game that really stepped up to the moment. Logan Woosley, 20 points. Luke Schumacher, 13. Brandon Beasold, 12. Anthony Caruse, 11. Mason Seapate, 10. So that's five seniors right there that did a lot of the legwork. They shot 60, um, 62% from the field, too. I know against Nicholas County, um, when I was watching, Woosley really struggled from the line early on. And I think, um, uh, you know, his struggles from the line kind of got in his head and he missed a few open shots or whatever, but he was locked and loaded for the finals. And uh, Logan, is it Logan Schumacher? Is that what you said? Luke. Luke Schumacher. He had a really good game against Paris as well and kind of inserted his dominance on the post. So, um, like I said, all in all, you know, great game for, uh, you know, Bishop Brossard, and they will advance. I'm not for sure the date. Maybe you can share this. Maybe you know because you got the bracket. But uh, best yeah. of luck, Coach Ben Franzen and his Brossard Mustangs as they will take on Hazard, who is the champion of the 14th region. Do you know when that will be? Yeah, it's uh, January 26th, and um, it looks like it will be at uh, 6.30 p.m. at EKU. And uh, Another point I was going to bring up was, you know, how often – remember, like, you know, in the NCAA tournament, when you see a – highly favored team or a team that makes a deep run in that tournament, how often do you see them have that shining moment, whether it be maybe the first or second round where they hit a buzzer beater or get a late score to win a game? You see that so much, and then they eventually go on to win, and I think that was kind of a similar case to what happened with, with Bishop Brossard, albeit a smaller sample size, only having to win three games where the tournament you got to win six. Right, because – if uh, Mason Seapate don't hit that three at the buzzer to force overtime against Nicholas, we're having a totally different conversation. And, um, you know, we'd be talking probably to either Coach Ransom or Coach Wrights tonight because, you know, those teams would have uh, probably played in the finals, Paris and Nicholas County, with what went on the other side of the bracket. But, um, yeah, you know, the All-A, once again, um, I made it over there for the first-round games on Saturday. And then I, I was able to stream Paris and Bracken, and I was able to stream Brossard and Paris in the finals. And once again, it looked like um, a very passionate crowd. Um, I know it helps when the home team is in the finals, um, with Paris being the host and then being in the finals. Um, I know that helps. But still, um, I think it just proves again that, you know, the 10th region fan base is, you know, a passionate fan base. And, I wanted to talk to Coach Kirk about, you know, hosting the 10th region this year after uh, hosting it at Holmes last year. But, you know, I don't want to keep him on. He, um, you know, he's got school tomorrow and it's already nine o'clock on a Sunday evening. So um, yeah, I didn't want to keep him any longer. 
that probably could have been discussed in great detail, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 back there this month or next next month, and um, you know, it's it's shaping up to be uh, you know, some teams are starting to separate themselves. I think right now. Well, and you know, a lot of people don't like the fact that you know Mason County hosts the tenth region tournament a lot more than the other teams, but you know, until recently they undoubtedly had the best facilities to host a regional tournament. And if you've never been to a 10th region finals, when it's packed from top to bottom, you don't really know what kind of atmosphere it truly is. But, you know, now that, I mean, Montgomery has a nice facility. um, GRC has a nice facility, but what Mason County still has over those two places is the centralized location of the 10th region. Um, You know, and I think we had the discussion last year, you know, when, um, uh, the athletic director, Casey Fisk, came on from Scott, you know. The average fan, I don't think, turned up, you know, in northern Kentucky. I remember streaming the finals of that, and there was I could have went in there at halftime and got any seat in the gym I wanted. Um, but you'll see it a lot different this year at the Fieldhouse, and I think it'll it's only going to be a lot crazier if Mason and GRC draw opposite sides of the bracket. Yeah, which hasn't been the case the past few years. Well, so. and I don't want to jump the gun because I know Mason County's not going to have a, a cakewalk through their district. And um, I think Paris, Bourbon, and Montgomery are all playing a little bit better. I don't know if they're ready to challenge GRC yet. But, you know, there's still a lot of things that have to happen before those two face off in the finals at the Fieldhouse. But, um, right. And I, I think, you know, like like we said, some teams creating some separation. You know, I, it's, I think it's pretty clear right now there's a top three. You know, and then there's a drop off now because of what Campbell County has been able to do. Um, you know, I, I was speaking with uh, Travis Skaggs earlier, uh, the sports director at WFTM, and he was just just picking my brain on on who maybe the region coach of the year candidates will be. And, you know, obviously, Brian Kirk's one of them who we just spoke with. But I think people would be would be hard pressed to not consider Eric Russell as well. Um he loses his top scorer and rebounder, or or at least top rebounder and, and one of their top scores uh, prior to season start, and, and boom, here they are. They're, they're the number three team in the region. It's pretty clear that they are. Uh, lost a very tight one to Mason County on Tuesday. They were up at halftime, and then it looks like Mason had a huge third quarter to, to pull ahead and, and hung on and won. And, you know, obviously we know Clark and Mason are one, two, and it looks like the media rankings had – Mason County won with their win over uh, Lexcath yesterday, so they got the. Well, and I think I think we've just we've discussed that. You know, I have a problem with people ranking Mason County one seventeen and two. uh, Just beat Lexington Catholic, probably a top five team in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. um, To win the all the two A, I mean, but um, until GRC loses a tenth region game, and I know, you know, that may not be for a while, but instead, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm still going to rank them number one. Yeah, and I, I'm with you too. But I just think, again, Campbell's entered entered into that upper echelon and where before we maybe said it was just, you know, oh, it's Clark's race and Mason can give him a game. But now I think you can put Campbell County in that conversation too. They did lose earlier in the season to Clark by, I think it was about 20 down in Winchester. But they seem to really be finding their groove. Um, I caught one of their games the other night against Lloyd Memorial and congrats to Coach Eric Russell for – for being the um, all-time winningest coach at Campbell County now with 272. That was his 272nd now, and they beat Harrison County the night after uh, by a wide margin, which to me was 
you know, a really impressive victory. So, you know, I'm putting the Campbells right there in that conversation as far as the top three teams. And then I think four through six, four through eight right now, I mean, you know, there's teams starting to make their push. So um, it's, it's really starting to get interesting in that, in that middle of the pack of the region. Well, and, you know, I was, you were ahead of this ship farther than me because you'd been ranking Campbell third for a while now. And I'd always had Harrison County. Um, I'd flip and probably, but Campbell yeah, fourth. Right. right. But then, you know, obviously flip flop him now because what Campbell did to Harrison, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even a game. And some of the posts I saw on social media act like it wasn't ever a game. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, you know, and one thing I'll tell you this, you know, that early score of 20 plus that um, GRC beat Campbell means absolutely nothing once they get to the field house in March. And, you know, if it comes down to it, it's hard to bet against Coach Eric Russell and all the success he's has in March. And I think Campbell County is going to be right there and having a say in who wins that region between, you know, the, all the teams because they're not going to go away lightly. Plus, they know it's Coach Russell's last year. They're going to want to um, send him out with a bang. And I definitely think they're in the conversation. But I agree with what you just said. It's To me, there's three teams and then everybody else. Yeah, and I mean, the good news is tomorrow we'll get some even more clarity when Harrison County and Bracken County face each other in Cynthiana. So that'll be a, a good gauge tomorrow night for, for those two teams and kind of see where they are. You know, Harrison got thumped twice this week. You know, Lexcath beat him by 30. Campbell County beat him by 25. They bounced back and got a district win on Saturday, it looks like, over Nicholas County. And What was that score? I knew they – no, I thought they played – yeah. 61-44. Okay. Yeah, they look kind of comfortably ahead, you know, right in that 15 to 20 range from about halftime on, I believe. So Well, and like you just mentioned, um, Harrison County, I think, has Bracken this week. So, and can you know, Bracken get back on track? I mean, ever Yeah, since- I was going to say, Bracken hasn't played since their loss to Paris in the All-A. Right, and I mean, they're, they're two and uh, five since losing to Mason County, so – you know, you wonder how much that game maybe had an, an emotional toll on them, um, and, and they've struggled to bounce back. Now the competition level has definitely increased for them, but, uh, you know, a, a big week for them with, with Harrison County. Um, looks like Fleming County on Friday and then Cooper on Saturday. So they've got, they've got a couple more tough contests, and we knew that coming into the season that their schedule was going to really test them, and finding a, a way to get above 500 throughout that season was going to be tough. And, you know, right now they're currently sitting at 11 and seven. So uh, if they don't get things turned around here rather quickly, they could be looking closer to that 500 mark than above it. Right. But, um, and I could be wrong in saying this, but it feels like to me that, you know, I know, you don't want to necessarily schedule a lot of games in the middle of the all a tournament because you're expecting to be in the finals, you're expected to win or whatever. But as soon as I lost a game, you know, I remember that year when we played Campbell County or Brossard at Campbell County in the first round of the all a, of course we didn't have any games scheduled right then. But as soon as we lost that first round game, we tried to pick games up and I saw where coach Reed picked up Franklin County, but it's not till February 4th at Bracken County. Um, I don't think I would have, you know, but who knows? Who who knows if anybody had any dates available? Who knows if they wanted to even play Bracken County? You know, when Class A teams are really good, sometimes it's kind of hard to find a game, you know, because nobody wants to play. But um, I, I'm curious to see how um, Bracken County 
uh, goes on the road at Harrison County tomorrow and see how they come out. I mean, I think they're either going to come out and it's going to be lopsided one, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're going to win or, you know, they're going to come out flat and they're going to be in a dog fight. And the one thing I know about Coach Brooks is he's got size, he's got depth, and he's not afraid to use it. And I think their size and depth could present some problems for Bracken County. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game. I mean, those two played down to the wire uh, both times they met last season. So, should should again be a tight one. And um, I'm just ready to see another team kind of make their case to, to jump them. Um, you know, is it Montgomery County? You know, do they – do they have the resume to, to put them up there yet? I don't I don't personally think so. Um, Scott looks like they're starting to really turn a corner. They've won four in a row. Bishop Brossard just won the All-A, but, I, I mean, to me it wasn't the hardest path to, to get through it. So um, I'm just ready to see one of these teams uh, continue to kind of trend upward and, and see who that fourth best team in the region might be. So this is me calling those teams out. Step up. Let's be, let's let's see someone get up there. And um, Well – and you mentioned Scott winning four in a row. And within that four, excuse me, was Lloyd Memorial, who has a nice team. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the other the three teams, you know, they beat Pendleton, uh, Holmes, and Dayton for their other three wins in that stretch. Um, but they got the district opponent this week in Brosser on the 20th. Um, I think we'll be able to tell a lot by that game. And if Brosser or Scott's ready to make that next step, um, I agree with you. I didn't move Brossard ahead of Bracken this week just for the simple fact that it seemed like all the chips fell on the table for Bishop Brossard to make that run in the All-A. And I'm not knocking Bishop Brossard, but, you know, three of the four best teams in it, you know, Augusta, Bracken, Paris were all on the same side, you know, of the bracket. But to be honest with you, I won my first All-A. I think something similar happened for me. And I think sometimes when you're a head coach and you win a tournament like that, you need some luck to fall into place. And I think that happened. But, you know, like I said, hats off to Brossard for, you know, capturing that title because regardless of what people think, it's never easy to win a tournament no matter who you play. And um, so But then your, again – What's your uh, what's your top ten then? Where, where, what are we looking at? Because you, you said – All right. Well, I was just going Bracken? to say the only other team that I think – is worthy of pushing Bracken right now would be Montgomery County. They just took a 34-point loss to GRC, which GRC is going to be a lot of teams by 34. But um, my my top 10 um, changed a little bit from last week. Um, I've still got GRC 1, Mason 2. But like you, I think Mason County is absolutely, you know, if you could do a 1A and a 1B, this would be a situation where I would do that just because GRC hadn't lost to a 10th region team. Uh, but Mason County's playing so good right now, 17-2. and Two um, A state champions are getting solid bench play. Carter McClanahan was on the uh, all-tournament team um, for Mason County at the 2A coming off the bench. So it tells you what kind of production they're getting off the bench. I moved Campbell County ahead of Harrison County for the first time this year. Um, like I said, you've been ahead of me on that boat too. You always seem to one-up me. No matter what big what big a bold take I take, it's the wrong take. Um, but Campbell County, with their dismantling of um, Harrison County, I moved them to third. I kept Harrison at fourth. Um, them uh, Harrison and Bracken play this week, so the winner of that game could possibly that could be a change of placement between those two teams. I got Brossard sixth uh, because they won the All A. I moved them up. I got Montgomery County seven. Um, 
they're 12 and six right now, I believe. And that's a big improvement from last year. So I think they're definitely worthy of a top 10 ranking. I moved Scott all the way up to eight because of winning four in a row. And I think the next game against Brossard, they're starting to get, you know, Hunter back and him and Howe are formidable one-two punch. I think Scott's going to get better. Um, I got Paris nine just for the run they made in the all A of making it to the finals, beating Augusta and Bracken. Then I put Augusta 10th. Yeah, I think we're pretty much dead on there, except for Moco. Um, because you know, you got them ahead of Brossert. Yeah, I got GRC one, Mason two, Campbell three, Harrison four, Bracken five. Um, I think that's all kind of self explanatory right now. Montgomery at six, Brossert seven. Scott eight again. Those two play each other Friday, so that'll that'll help with a lot. And honestly, I think if Scott beats Brossert and Moco, I don't know, doesn't do um, doesn't do well this week. I could easily see them jumping up to five or six as well. So, um, well, I think Montgomery County's got um, they, they play Trinity Christian, Trinity, Trinity Christian, but then they also got like Round and Fleming coming up, which right. I don't think Round's very strong this year from a boys' standpoint, but. Fleming County is pretty good. And you heard Coach Kirk say if he didn't get solid bench play, they probably wouldn't have beat Fleming. So Fleming's definitely playing well. So I think that game may help us. But, yeah, you're right. Trinity Christian is – I don't understand that scheduling. but Right. But, I mean, they're they're 12 and 6 right now. So, again, I've got them at 6. But very easily could could go one way or the other. Brossard 7, Scott 8, Paris 9 with their run. And then I, I slid Augusta back into the top 10. So, um, you know, I, 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 not too much of a change, I don't think, this week. Um, that, that number 10 spot's been a revolving door for me throughout the year. And then, uh, you know, one through five have, have pretty much held firm with just a few of those spots kind of switching places. So I'm just – I'm kind of ready to see uh, who's going to start making this uh, mid to, to late season push. What's funny is we've done this for seven weeks now, and we've yet to have a top 10 that's the same. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe next week with all the games that are taking place, we can eventually say that we're on the same page. But, uh, um, you know, you mentioned Coach Eric Russell being the all-time winningest coach at Campbell County with his win over Lloyd. I also want to give a shout-out to Coach um, Scott or Steve Fre- Fromeyer. Sorry, Coach Fromeyer. He yep. won his 100th game at Scott this week. So, um, which, you know, if you're in the business long enough to win 100 games or – 272 games and you've been a successful coach because people don't realize that, you know, coaching is a, it's a hard business and um, winning games isn't easy. And um, so if you've been around long enough to eclipse those plateaus, then hats off to you because, you know, it's getting harder and harder to win games with the amount of great coaches within the region and state of Kentucky that, you know, pushes each us, pushes each other to be better. So um, congrats to coach Fro. Yeah, it's a great accomplishment, and um, you know, like I like we said earlier, this they're, they're starting to seem like they turn the corner and picking up some wins, and uh, looks like they can snag a few more here with an important um, two Friday nights coming with you know Brossard this Friday and Campbell the following Friday. If they win both of those, then they earn the one seed in the district. So, any chance you'll be at the Brossard Scott game this week? Oh, there's a strong possibility I could be there or or I'll have someone there covering it. So um, that's a big district game and a rivalry game. So definitely try to hit those up for sure. I figured you probably would or definitely would have somebody that you're yeah, familiar yeah. with. Um, yep. Any um, any games coming up this week that we've not mentioned that, I mean, I know 
Nicholas County played who Nicholas County played tonight. They played somebody tonight. Did they? They uh, played Bourbon tonight and got beat 63-51 at home. Um okay. I think we're going to see a a a small transition phase here for coach uh Wrights and the Blue Jackets just, you know, losing Preston Blake and um just trying to find, you know, people that not only can fill in for him but also can maybe contribute on the offensive end and rebounding the way he did. So um, they got a big one Friday with Pendleton County. So that's that, at and that's at Nicholas because it's a boy girl doubleheader. That boy game will start at six and the girls game will start at eight. So um, yeah, and you know Pendleton County had a you know a couple games this week where they they were playing better. Bourbon County only beat uh, Pendleton by one. And I see that they went on the ro- went on the road and beat Nicholas by twelve, so that game may be closer um, than we expect, or closer than what we once thought were because Nicholas kind of was playing really well there for a while, and but now with you know the injury bug striking, that game could be a different game. And then Pendleton also got their you know went one and zero in the district play with the win over Robertson County this past Friday at home, and alumni night. So um, Coach Ellsburn's Wildcats may be playing the best ball they've played all year kind of at the right time, back like when the uh, district games start happening. Yeah, Friday will be big. You know, it'll be a, it'll be a big night. And I, I think those two are probably going to be locked into the two and three anyway. Um, but it's still good for those two to get a gauge of each other. And, you know, that'll be the first of what's looking like three matchups for them um, come here the next month. So Right. You know, and – you like you said, and we've talked about. There's not a big difference between the two and the three, other than you know, if you know that's who you're probably going to play in the uh, postseason, you want to find some things in the regular season that works against them, and other areas you need to improve to uh, kind of make those weaknesses become strengths. But um, you're going to see a big next couple of weeks for the 38th district because this is when all of our district games start happening, and I think you know all, all six of these games for a school will happen with like in the next two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be big. And um, I'm, I'm look I'm already looking forward to those two, three district tournament games, you know, those two versus three seeds. And every year that's a fun, fun game because, you know, that's the game that you either extend or your season that ends. So it's, it's, it's always a fun atmosphere when that happens. I know they announced this year already, but when is the, uh, the highly anticipated 39th district draw. I believe it's like the first week of February. Yeah, I was thinking like February 4th or something, but I didn't know if I was getting that confused with some other date or something. But yeah, I'm not sure on the exact day, but it's usually always the either last week of January or first week of February. Um, so I would say, uh, I'd say right around there. So I'd say the next couple of weeks we'll also have a, um, I guess a, a better picture of that. Yeah. You know, of what that district holds and that. And I always look forward to the state tournament draw too, just to see what regions are playing each other and, you know, kind of predict the brackets and see where that's going to fall into place. We might have a, um, a stay hop podcast, uh, state tournament bracket challenge or something. That'd be fun. I can give out a free stay hop podcast t shirt. I got a few. There we um, go. But, uh, any questions this week for the coach's corner? Yeah, always. I'm always, I'm always asking questions. <laughs> asking questions is a sign of intelligence, Mr. Is Dennison. Hey. That's what they say. Well, 
I'll, I'll claim some intelligence then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's see here. Give me, you know, last, last week we talked about top five gyms in, in the 10th region. Um, is it fair to ask you statewide your top five in the state? Have you, have you been to enough gyms or? No, I'm pretty, uh, that would be unfair because I've, I'd probably give you five tenth region gyms, honestly. Um, I've been to several, maybe, you know, just like maybe I've played on the road in, but I've none that you'd have to ask me me the worst experience of a gym, like how, like just terrible the locker room situation was maybe, or just something crazy that happened there, or you guys feared for your safety or, or anything like that. Um, Feared for my safety. Well, I, I mean, I, I no, just I'm just like, trying to. I get your question. I'm just trying to think. Um, because you've I can had tell you this, yes, Robertson County, man. I know. Well, you I can tell you, and Coach Massey can tell you. Um, I we uh, when Alex Shock was a junior or sophomore, I can't remember which. He made a last second shot at Menifee County for us to win. And um, I know through the course of the game, I got into it with the scorekeeper. Um, we went nose to nose, the clock keeper walking out. An old man tried to fight me and Aaron both, I believe. And um, there was a cop that came up and threw one of our fans out. And it was just there. I started to wonder. I don't know if I ever felt for my safety, but I, I think I, I think I was getting a little nervous. Um Menifee County, um, they'd beaten us at home on a last-second shot, so it was two competitive teams going at it. Um, obviously, us being the road team, I don't feel like we got a fair shake from the whistle. Um, I think um, the the bookkeeper for Menifee County was putting fouls on our kids that got them to the bonus quicker. That wasn't fouls. Just I don't know. I just and I don't know if any of that is valid, but I just felt like it was a snowball effect and it wasn't going our way and. Um, Aaron will tell you that, you know, he said I was so mad that the bookkeeper for Menifee made my chin quiver. And um, it was just it was just a bad experience. And I think that was my last ever trip to Menifee County. And I don't think I'm going back. Frenchburg, baby. <laughs> uh, I've been there for a district tournament when like Fleming County was in the district championship. There's just there's no easy way there. There's no service. Uh, tiny gym, but uh, and part of the problem too is the temper, the temper, the temper started flaring in the JV game. They sent two college kids from Moorhead State to officiate the JV game, and I would say neither one of the two referees that coached or have refereed five games total. So every time they blew the whistle, there was a coach or a fan yelling at them. So if they called it against us and we yelled at them, next time they blew the whistle, went in our favor, trying to make us happy. Well, that would make Menifee County, you know, unhappy. But yeah, it was, it was a, um, but I'll tell you another one too. This is one I just remembered. I was uh, coaching at Bracken County girls. Our freshmen went to Lewis County to play. The two referees for the freshman game were Lewis County graduates. I remember when they both played basketball for Lewis County um, they tried to throw out all of our fans. Our fans wouldn't leave, so the referees put the ball down and walked off the court and ended the game. Ooh. We 
We'd led the whole game, but they had just made a couple free throws to take the lead late in the game. And so the game ended when they took the lead because they put the ball down and walked off. Lewis County is another tough place to get a win. So go, go, go west if you want to get wins, not east, huh? <laughs> well, I, it just happens to be the two stories I have are in the eastern part of the state. <laughs> That's good. Um, we'll think of one more here. We need to get right. Don Irvin on one night and just let him tell you stories. Oh God, that that'd be a three-hour podcast. He's funny. Minimum. At a minimum. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's 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 go in an assistant coach direction. Um, what do you what do you think is like the minimum requirements uh, for an assistant coach, and how much does that like differentiate? And, you know, you see some staffs that have like five or six coaches. Um, maybe not fair for you to compare just with dealing with a smaller school, but. You know, what What? What do you think you, you should expect from an assistant coach? And uh, this is kind of just me a question of maybe for some people out there that are maybe interested in getting into coaching. And, you know, obviously you got to start somewhere. Well, and I think my take on it will be different than if you were to ask another coach. Like um, um, I see some benches that will have um, seven or eight coaches. You see it a lot at the state tournament where you'll have two or three at the top, the head coach standing. You have two or three coaches in the middle, some on the end. And I'll be honest with you, I want as few people as possible over there on my bench. Um, you can't, I don't, you know, maybe for practice sakes, maybe they 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 come into handy and they can help you at practice. But when you got that many people on the bench during a game trying to give you instructions or trying to tell you what they see or whatever, um, I just, I don't know. I just don't think, I don't think it's beneficial. It's never been in my, in my aspect of coaching, but um you know, the larger schools have more assistant coaches. And like you said, the smaller schools at Robertson, I usually had one, sometimes two. And that would be, you know, at, at Pendleton, I have a varsity assistant, excuse me, and our JV coaches sit on the bench. So we have two coaches on the bench. Um, but, you know, I think anybody looking to get into coaching has to has to have a willingness to learn. Um, you can't come into the gym every day thinking you know it all or thinking that you um, – that your ideas or whatever are the only ideas. I think you've got to be, you've got to have some flexibility. You've got to be willing to communicate and communicate, meaning listen as much as talking. Um, because even as a head coach, I still look to my assistants for a lot of advice. Um, both of my assistants do a lot of scouting, watching film. When they give me things that they see, you know, it's because I trust them or give them that, you know, give them that freedom to talk to me and to tell me what they see. But um, I also know a lot of young coaches in the game that get into the coaching of freshman level, whatever, already know it all. So I think the first thing you have to do is be willing to learn, be willing to change your philosophy, maybe be willing to admit that, you know, you don't know it all. And um, but I think if you're willing to get in the gym every day and work with a veteran coach and learn. And it's funny you ask this question because former player of mine, Mason Burden, reached out to me this week and or last week, and Mason's wanting to get into coaching. And I reached out to several coaches in Northern Kentucky, and I think a couple of them reached out to Mason and, you know, wanted to have him on staff or wanted him to come and check their programs out. But, you know, the advice I kind of gave him is go in with an open mind. You know, when you're an assistant coach, it's not necessarily your program. If the head coach is doing something or running a, a system that may not be 
what you would run if you were a head coach. You still got to find ways to try to support the head coach because it's their system. Yeah. Yeah, I was asked. Uh, good for Mason. Hopefully he can find something. I, I remember watching him and covering him at, at his Robertson County days. And, you know, what what would be maybe your best advice? Like, how, how did you get into coaching? And, you know, how would you advise um, someone younger to, to get into it, maybe fresh out of college or someone maybe looking for a different career path? I think you have to, you know, when I think with technology today, it's a lot easier than when I started. Um when I started, I think I was um, still in college and um, Mike Appleman became the head coach of the Augusta girls. And we were just sitting around talking one night. And I think he knew that I was a decent high school player and I was a pretty strong basketball mind. And he asked me to help him coach. And um, so I did. And um, Mike's Mike was a good spot for me to start. Mike's a strong basketball mind. And um, I'm sure there were times we disagreed on things and I don't remember any specifically, but, you know, I think it took him probably telling me a couple of times that he was the head coach and I could offer suggestions, but he was the one that was going to make the decision. So with technology these days, I would recommend any young person wanting to get into coaching to reach out, reach out to all the schools, you know, get online and look, you know, all job vacancies are posted. Start out at the middle school level. You know, if you really want to be a head coach, starting off and not an assistant, start at the middle school level. Get involved in your youth programs, the rec programs. Get involved with um, some of these schools who have intramurals and, you know, start talking to the head coaches to see what jobs are available. Because I know one of the coaches that reached out to Mason was kind of talking to me about, you know, maybe him running their middle school program. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and I know not everybody has been – you know, fortunate enough to some, some get their first coaching job at the high school varsity level. You know, on the other hand, I've not, you know, I worked my way up from middle school to JV to varsity. So I would recommend getting involved with the younger programs and um, trying to get in contact with the head coach and let him know you're on the same page. Ask the head coach, Hey, what do you want me to work on? What do you want me to do? Any specific concepts, skills, whatever you want me to teach and just kind of let the coach know you're on the same page. And I think if that happens and you do a good job, and when I say good job, I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about developing players, representing the school with class, representing yourself. Um, then I think you have a really good chance of moving up. Yeah. No, that's good sound advice. I think that's important for a lot of people out there because a lot of people maybe think, you know, it's just something that, that just comes with it, but you've got to put some effort into it too. And um I mean, just like any profession, you know, if you really want it, you go get it. So, and I think that's, you know, and I think that's what the message I would say, if you want it bad enough, don't let it not happen because you're not willing to work for it. Um, get online and start looking at all the open jobs. And if you go to every school in the state or at least the ones within close proximity of you, it has the job vacancies posted. It'll mm -hmm. tell you if there's middle school openings or high school openings and go ahead and reach out to them now. Make that yeah. contact. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, All right, man. Another, another another good week. Yeah, really was. Uh, once again, I want to uh, thank Coach Brian Kirk for coming on. I think that's Coach Kirk's first time on the Stay Hot podcast. Last time we couldn't get our schedules aligned where he could uh, get on. But uh, I'll go ahead and say it now that, you know, we'll look for another coach next week. And we've got a lot of uh, possibilities with the schedules coming up. So um, we'll uh, be back next week. and. Stay tuned and stay hot.